Welcome to Pictures of a Pandemic, June 9th, 2020. This is the first episode of American Baptist Home Mission Society's podcast that's telling the stories of the toll the coronavirus is taking on American Baptists across the United States and Puerto Rico. I'm Susan Gottschall, Director of Communications, and over the next several weeks, I'll be having conversations with pastors, community service directors, and others who are ministering in the context of these days. These are trying times for sure, times that call for talking to each other, for taking the pulse of what's happening with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and for listening for ways we can help each other through the loss and fear through the grief and anguish, to a time of recovery and hope. Today, I'm talking with the Reverend Patrick Young, pastor of First Baptist Church of East Elmhurst in Queens, New York City. Elmhurst was an epicenter of the virus in New York City, and New York City was an epicenter of the virus in the United States. Reverend Young, tell me what it was like being in an epicenter of the epicenter. Uh, it was like a, a um, first you thought you was in a movie um, or else like a dream uh, because things happened so fast. It moved from a, a moment of, of ordinary day to an extraordinary day, I guess that's what I would put it, from ordinary to extraordinary because we, now we were kind of thrust in handling uh, needs and concerns immediately versus coming uh, in a trickle-down way. It was, it was a coming in a very fast pace, and we had to uh, prepare ourselves for that. I think one of the greatest things is, is, is I've been fortunately worked under uh, ministries and staff where we always had to make changes uh, all the time. And so when it hit me, I recognized the, that it was time, it was a mode of change and transition. And I was, uh, God gave me the ability to do, to help transition, prepare our church in that transition uh, that last Sunday and uh, to kind of do ministry different. Uh, and was preparing our church for ministry in a different way. Uh, we were already doing Facebook Live, but now <clears throat> we've now kind of home in as, as the central part of our worship uh, beyond the walls and worshiping through the social media and being able to deal with um, having relationships through the social media and through the dial-in worship, having our members dial in the worship and dial in Bible study. Um, I have not yet um, transitioned to social media for Bible study because most of my members that attend Bible study are not. Some have it and some, majority of them do not uh, even uh, deal with Facebook Live or social media, Zoom. And so, um, we do that Bible study on on uh, 
on the on the air on the lines, communication through the lines, phone lines. And it's interesting. My one of my older senior season saints said uh, to me, uh, Pastor, I never know how good it, he said we can have church over the phone. Well, we can do Bible study on the phone. I kind of like this, you know. Um, and so they'd even have stretched them beyond what they usually was in their comfort zone. And, and this um, this time of uh, challenge has stretched the church and stretched our leaders to think outside the box and see new ways you can do ministry and new ways you can worship, new ways you can touch people. And now I moved from 200, 150, 200 on Sundays. Now I'm looking at five, six, seven, sometimes a thousand uh, likes hit on on the uh, social media. So uh, you know, I really now I, my my attendance of church has really increased <laughs> from from in person. I'm doing more in the social media than I'm doing in person worship. That's and, amazing. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's it makes you home in, you know, uh, it lets you look at all the stuff you were doing at church. You really didn't really need to do. No, I'm uh, so you've not you've obviously seen an increase in participation um, through social media in the church. I, I'm I'm particularly interested. I know you have a feeding ministry mm. and I'm particularly interested in how. Um, the pandemic has affected the needs that you see in that feeding ministry and how the church has met those needs. Yeah. Primarily, uh, it, 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 it kind of aligns itself with the economic status of New York City. New York City is a primarily retail and service. Uh, that's where most of the money is in retail and service areas of economics. Uh, the, the economy of service and the economy of uh, retail is really the more or less the backbone and hospitality, which is I still align that with that as far as hotels, are the backbone of the economy of New York. A lot of people think Wall Street is, but no, it's, it's those three areas. And a lot of the people who work in the service and, or, and retail, a lot of them live in Queens, East Elmhurst, Jackson Heights, and Corona. So when they went into the shutdown mode of of no longer um, the gathering in restaurants and bars and um, and, uh, beauty shops and spas and uh, nail salons and all that, and then you went, and, and when they start cutting that back, then it started affecting the, the livelihoods of the, the, the communities, which I face in most of our immigrant population. And then when when um, the, this president uh, cut the green card program from them having access to EBT and um, any services and healthcare services and food stamp services, that further uh, dug into the wound, economic wounds of families of immigrants. And so when it, when you had that going on, you compounded the issue more. And so there was a greater need. And uh, so that's why you didn't have them going to the hospital. 
you know, having testing, I mean, looking at dealing with the virus and all the stuff. Uh, I give you an example when I have one of my workers, one of my members works at Elmhurst Hospital, which was the epicenter of a lot of this. And uh, she called me when it happened. It happened like they were testing like 100, something, 200. Then all of a sudden she called me. She, this one day she saw 1,500 people showed up in line in one day. And she knew something was going on then. She knew that, that this thing has really taken off in the community. And uh, they were, and that's when you had the, 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 you know, the death, you have all the, you had the overcrowding, the hospital start taking off. And Elmer's Hospital was in. One of my members died, uh, Priscilla Carroll, who CNN recognized her and CNN was one of the workers at the front line. She was working at Elmhurst Hospital, passing out masks and all the stuff. And she got contracted with the disease and she passed. Um, so when we saw that going on, then we start seeing the changing of not just in the healthcare, so I've seen the changes in need. We've been serving three average 300 people for the seven years or what, since, we, since we've been doing food pantry about five, seven years. And, um, but we thought that was high. And, you know, in my spirit, I knew there was going to become a day in time that we were going to be serving a whole lot of people, not knowing that that day in time would show up after the, after the fourth Sunday in March. 2020. And the next Saturday, we went from three to five. 500. 500. And then we went from 500 to 700. And then it moved from 700. Now we're at right now 1,500. So we have 1,500 families. We serve 2,700 people every Saturday. Last number count last Saturday was almost similar than the prior Saturday. We did 1,500 families. And then in those 1,500 families, we served 2,700 people. And so 2,700 people ate a meal out of, through, our, uh, through, our, through our food pantry. And we give a lot of meat, milk, um, substantive stuff that will sustain them beyond just one or two days, and um, products and fruit, um, produce, some dry food, and some cans, but more or less fresh, we try to get more fresh vegetables so they can um, do what they need to do to maintain their, their health at home. Um, I'm curious, did you have trouble um, in the era of social distancing um, has it been a challenge to actually have volunteers to help make this happen? I mean, how did yeah. you manage that? Okay, um, God is good because um, I have volunteers, have community people from community, few people community, and a lot of them from my from my congregation. Who we have, we're blessed to have a my my councilman. I must give him credit, um, Francisco Moya made sure I had mask and, and, you know, mask and gloves and uh, sanitizing. And then a few other people will chip in or send us. They saw us how we were dealing with this. And so we had that. And so when we had that, we had um, 
people start coming out, then then did not give up, didn't stop. Because the pandemic, they, they saw the need, and this is their ministry that they need to do. And they showed up here every every uh, Saturday. Um, my sons, my two sons, both of them in college, uh, they helped bringing in the food, uh, you know, storing all the food. Uh, when they come off the pallets, off the trucks, they helped out with all of that. And they continue to do that now. And, um, of course, they get in my pocket. I had to pay them. It wasn't for free. <laughs> uh, but they work with, along with that. So I have had a, about five, six young people of the millennium age helping out. And then the 50 and over population out here. I have some, have one or two out here, like 70, 80 years old out here trying to help out. And they do sit down and they pass out the food. And, uh, yeah, so we have, um, we have uh, elected officials came out. So we have partnerships lately for the Sikh community came out, uh, just partnering with us, a a young millennium group that called themselves the pop-up. They came out and served hot meals. They came out 300. The Sikh community came out with 500 meals. They they, think they're going to try to be with us next Saturday. Um, The 100 black men of New York City who's all been supportive of us. They they came out and they gave, they gave, um, they did 300 plus meals um, on yesterday, last Saturday. So we've been doing partnership with uh, individuals who are seeing what we're doing, people seeing what we're doing on, they find out what's on Facebook. Um, Eric, um, the former, our Congresswoman, AOC, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, she had put on her Instagram what she did and what we were doing because she partnered with her to help out in our food bank. She's been very uh, generous in helping, uh, having fundraised for our food bank. Um, and so um, we have had uh, generous contributions from people in the community. We have a regular contributing family. Every Saturday, they bring funds for us to get where we need it done. Uh, so because we were able to got a refrigerator going, freezing, another freezing, we got one coming so we can put all the food in. So um, the contributions of people who they see us on Facebook and what they see what we're doing, they want to join in. And so Eric B., the rapper, put on his uh, Facebook on last Saturday and we have a thousand hits thousands and thousands hits and so uh, people wanted to come now we got the borough president of uh, Brooklyn supposed to be with us on this coming Saturday and bring some face masks and give out and stuff so um, so we're without TV fanfare because some people do it uh, you know it's a difference between a moment and a movement uh, and uh we are not in the moment. We're in the movement because we've been doing this for a while. And a lot of, there's some pantries pop up, some people don't. It's, it's the moment. You know what I mean? We don't use uh, TV productions and call the radio station, TV station to give a shout out what we are doing. It just shows up. And I, I told my, I told my uh, staff, it's the difference between artificial and authentic. Artificial always try to get news and try to grab news authentic 
it comes, news comes to them. They don't need to grab and, and ask what news comes to them. That's where we are in our work and what we do. So you have met ever-increasing need created by this pandemic. Um, yes, and um, you're going to continue to do that throughout We'll be on a long run. We're talking about right now how we're going to deal with the fall. We're looking ahead how we deal with the fall, uh, how we're going to have bad weather comes and it get cold. Um, and they showed us they were resilient people because that last, was this past, two Saturdays ago, had a major storm. And we were out there, and I said, if they could stay out there and stand in the lines from, and I didn't forget, I, didn't I tell you, they start at 6 p.m. Friday. And we don't give out to 12 noon Saturday. So your volunteers work all night? No, the people are in line. Oh. 6 p.m. Oh, my goodness. Friday evening. They camp out. Saturday, I mean, you if you come to the Friday, you will see they have tents and everything out here, and they camp out. And from time they line when we when they they know when we leave here, they know we leave about Friday after five. They're gonna be out here, and they're gonna line up, get their stuff together, and they have cots and tent, and they'll sleep out here till the next morning. Now seven o'clock in the morning. Everything's put up. They know that they know the they know the rules. They know the rules. Real routine. The tents, everything put up in the trash. Anyway, it's gone. It's cleaned up. Everything's straightened up. And we we're ready to we're ready. They ready. To, so they start at six p.m. So they start at they start um, getting into line at six p.m. on Friday night, and, and you start distributing when twelve noon noon on Saturday. Saturday. That's amazing. That's 18 hours. And, and how and long is the line then? How long does the line line, line is eight blocks down, two blocks up, and three blocks over. God bless now, you. My, 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 now, my church is on the whole block. So the whole block of the church is at before four o'clock in the morning, three, four. You, you, before, I guess before 12 in the morning, this whole church. It's almost, it's already, it's lined up. You know, people pass by, tell uh, my members, they all, there's a line out here. And now we got a guy who, we got one comes every four o'clock in the morning. He's from the community, but he works with us. He comes here to check out everything. He said, man, at four o'clock in the morning, he said it was already down, uh, down three, four blocks. So I just, I'm sorry. Did you want to finish no, that? No. I just want to recap. So, um, so the ministry has grown grown from 300 to 1500 uh, since the coronavirus hit, mm-hmm. and it's once a month. It's the well, and we do every Saturday. Every Saturday. So every Saturday, people are lined up for blocks and blocks, starting the night before. And before the coronavirus, was there that kind of line? They would get here. Uh, they would get here at six o'clock in the morning because they wouldn't. They, a lot of them know they would have food and meats, and so they would get here at six o'clock in the morning. That was, you know, that was. Uh, and used to go. That go about half the block of the church. 
Uh, but it would rotate, you know, when they come through, they come in and uh, they would come through our chapel and they go out the front door. And um, then after that, you know, when it starts shifting, we had to shift with the shift. <laughs> you know, we had to mm-hmm. re- re- reorganize. And then we start putting six feet, yellow tape, six feet, uh, social distance. So we got social distance. But, you know, during the night, you know, of course, they don't social distance during the night because they all. But after that, they know that if you're going to get served, you must be in that that orange line, that orange marker. Because each orange marker determines where we're going we're gonna to serve. And no one never leaves out of here without something. Reverend Young, that's um, inspiring and heart-touching ministry. Yeah, you see, like we had... Um, I have one young lady came through there. She was a week before having her baby. She's still in line. Now, she's due to have her baby that week. But she's still in line to get her food. I have one lady, and this was, I guess, the most the touching one. Well, there was a lady, I guess she was in, because she was near the end. She was part of, part of the eight blocks. And then she heard somebody, when she got closer, we heard her cry, start hollering. Uh, she uh, she would holler in the in the language, her language, Papa, Papa, pa, which was her father, father in Spanish. And she was just waving, you know, like I thought somebody had just, her father just died or something. I don't know why she wouldn't lie. But what she was waving, she was yet thanking God. Because when she got there, there was some food there. And when she got in front of our church, she dropped down her knee and did her sign, cross sign, and was thanking God. And she came by, and when she came, my worker says she came and thanked everybody for the food she was getting. Because she really didn't realize, she didn't think, she was thanking, hoping, and praying that when she get there, there'll be some food for her family. God bless you and your church for doing that. Um, I need to wrap this up now, but um, it's really just um, so, you know, in these days of such bad news, it's always good to, to hear stories about how people are good and God is good and we are helping each other in the ways that we can. So thank you very much for that. Um, and thank you for your time today. Um, our prayers from American Baptist Home Mission Societies go with you and your church. Thank you. And all the people you're serving. Mm-hmm.